Pondering Theologian Podcast. I am the host, Nathaniel. In today's episode, um, I want to examine um, Mark chapter 14, uh, verses 17 through 31, um, and look at the, the statement that Peter makes and the other disciples do as well to Jesus shortly before Jesus betrayal and arrest and I feel like at this point in life there are just lots of times where I see myself and Christians today and all through history how we have just repeated things all the way back through history and that'll make more sense as we go through here. Um, I am going to read uh, the Mark chapter 14, 17 through 31, and then from Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. I am also pulling inspiration from Psalm 41 and Habakkuk um, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and then 2, 1 through 4. Uh, it's kind of a weird mixture of things here. Um, I'm only going to read Mark and Haggai, but I would encourage you to read all of the scriptures. And I will, of course, link them down in the show notes. Uh, without further ado, let's start with Haggai, chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. On the twenty-first day of the seventh month, the Lord's word came through Haggai the prophet. Say to Judah's governor, Zerubbabel, wow, I always struggle with this name, Zerubbabel, Shealtiel's son, and to the chief priests, Joshua, Jehozadak's son, and to the rest of the people, who among you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it appear? Appear as nothing to you? So now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Be strong, High Priest Joshua, Jehozadak's son, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. Work, for I am with you, says the Lord of heavenly forces. As with our agreement when you came out of Egypt, my spirit stands in your midst. Don't fear. This is what the Lord of heavenly forces says. In just a little while I will make the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the dry lands quake. I will make all the nations quake. The wealth of all the nations will come. I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of heavenly forces. The silver and the gold belongs to me, says the Lord of heavenly forces. This house will be more glorious than its predecessor, says the Lord of heavenly forces. I will provide prosperity in this place, says the Lord of Heavenly Forces. And now over to Mark 14, 17 through 31. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. 
one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And then as they sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Uh, um, I was working in a kitchen many years ago as a line cook. Um, I had worked my way up from the prep cook and backup dishwasher to a line cook over the course of a few months at a, a fancy restaurant in Indianapolis. I was feeling pretty good about that. I was going into, I think, my fourth year in the restaurant industry. I had learned how to cook most European styles of food amongst other cuisines. Um, you know, I was confident, I was well respected, and my words carried some respect. Um, in the restaurant industry, especially some of the higher end ones, it takes a lot of endurance to withstand the pressures. And one of the pressures that can happen is when new management comes in or when a particularly authoritative manager is uh, present and they also micromanage. And this restaurant had both of those. Um, we had a kitchen manager, and then we had a restaurant manager. And the new guy, the kitchen manager, was great. A people's person who listened to all of our gripes and tried to make the situation something in line with what the cooks and the other staff felt needed to happen. The restaurant manager, however, was a seasoned restaurant veteran who was firm in the kind of sort of way. Um, yeah, I guess firm in a kind sort of way is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, they, they smiled while they reprimanded you. Um, the sort of poor person who would listen, let you talk, and then remind you that when you became the manager, you could try it differently. Um, so we were a few months into this new management team, and at the time there were several changes to the health code that was being made um, and being implemented. Uh, myself, a dishwasher, and another one of the main cooks had beards. Um, you know, not massively bushy beards, um, but not tightly trimmed either. Kind of that mid-thick beard-looking thing. Um, and part of this new health code, or health standards, was that if you had anything over some scruff, you had to wear a beard net. And now that might not seem like a big deal, and I'm sure um, we've all seen someone with a hairnet or noticed most all cooks wear hats of some form. Um, but for us, people who had spent years without them, um, and this you know it was like eight years ago, um, this was an agitation. 
much like the adjustment period we all went through when the pandemic hit, we all started wearing masks. You know, there were little strings that go behind the ears, they get aggravating, they ride around your face. And when you're cooking in the kitchen, anytime you touch your face, you have to wash your hands. Um, so it was not a favorable rule for many of us. Um, so this new kitchen manager came in one day and we all shared that we did not like nor wanted this new rule. None of us wanted to wear those lovely beard nets. Um, in the people-pleasing manner that this uh, manager had, um, kind of their approach to conflict, uh, the manager told us not to wear them. Um, well, the next day, when we all started the day without nets on, we got talked to by the restaurant manager, and within a few minutes, we were all wearing the lovely beard nets. And aggravated, as we left our shifts that day, we all talked about how unfair this was and how this was a load of crap. Um, a few of us went and looked up the laws because we were young and petty and were sure this was against our rights somehow. Um, when we came together the next day, we decided we were going to stand up to this restaurant manager and demand that we not have them. Surely that would change the situation if we banded together. Um, we voted a spokesperson and said that we'd back them up when the restaurant manager came around that day. Um, we were going to stand together, even if we all got wrote up. Um, as it turned out, as the restaurant manager walked across the restaurant, I squared up. The spokesperson and the other gentleman disappeared into the back to find some ingredients and cleaning supplies. Um... As I debated the manager alone, I ended up with the ultimatum to shave, wear a beard net, or tomorrow I'd have a nice write-up to sign. My fellow compatriots had decided that though they were dedicated to the cause, they were not that dedicated when the heat got turned up. Though in retrospect, a silly cause, I was hurt as they left me alone to stand against our manager. Um, as I'm recording this... Um, the week following October 2nd, 2022. Um, October 2nd was World Communion Sunday. Um, and on that day, uh, kind of like every Communion Sunday, uh, we gather as Christians with many churches everywhere to celebrate the Lord's Supper, uh, the sacrament where we remember what Christ did and does continually for us. We're also joined with Christians all across time, history, space, geography, and any Christian yesterday, today, and in the future to celebrate our faith and in whom we have faith. We are also reminded um, of the example of what the disciples have done and what we continue to do. Many philosophers, theologians, and others say that there is nothing new under the sun. We are creatures of habit, and we continue through history in different cycles. Uh, fashion is an easy one to pick out. You know, for those of the millennial generation, uh, we are seeing those in the Gen Z generation start to discover some of the fashions from our youth. Um, some of which, if you go back to Gen X, we can see we're there. You know, where some styles of pants go all the way back to the baby boomers and yet back farther to the greatest generation and so on. As Christians, as people of faith, we share in the same habits, joys, and pitfalls of our ancestors and others who lived before us. Kind of like some of the ugly fashion that <laughs> resurfaces every so many years. Um, many today say 
that there is a falling away from faith today, that too many have forgotten God. And that sounds similar. You know, there was something to that extent in the 60s and 70s, when many a young person was thought to have lost all morals and just gave into the world. And we won't dig into every generation, but, you know, we can go back even farther on many of these issues and find that it happens all the way back to Israel. Um, how many uh, times can you think of the prophets who spoke out accounts against the nation of Israel for stepping away from God? You know, not just prophets. It shows up all through the Bible. And on Communion Sunday, or on World Communion Sunday, any Sunday where you recognize the Lord's Supper, as was the case in the first or um, second testament, we see that many a Christian in the world talks a good game. In the reading from Mark, um, we're leading up to the garden where Jesus will be betrayed and taken to be tried, abused, and then executed. Uh, they held the first Lord's Supper, where they ate and drank. Then after singing together, um, it says a hymn, but I imagine it was likely something like one of the hymns, like uh, uh, Psalm one, uh, 41 that I mentioned at the beginning. Um, you know, singing something like, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. After this, still in this beautiful moment of dedication, celebration, camaraderie, honor, as they're walking along, Jesus addresses this coming event, this coming problem. Uh, these men all spent years together. They had been had grown close. They were dedicated to each other. And Jesus, they are among the first to be Christians, as, as we understand Christians to be after Jesus' death. Multiple pillars of the church are in this group. Pillars that will not only teach Jesus' example, but help to establish the church and the structure to lead it. These are the future saints. These are the people that did much for the glory of God. Jesus, though, as they're walking through this beautiful countryside and enjoying the evening's events, turns to them and says, You, you, this group, you, my ministry partners, you, my friends, some of my closest friends, will all fall away. You will not stand with me. You will not be with me in my lowest points. You will not be there for me. You will abandon me. Now imagine that. I'm sure we can all think of at least one person, if not a group of people over the years, that we have been close to. And imagine that if they had turned to you and made that statement. Though we have gone through this, though we have been dedicated to each other, uh, you will not be able to stand up. To this coming stress you will not be able to stay with me in the hardest parts of what's coming i know you will not be able to do what you say you are that would probably make me a bit upset um my character my love my friendship is being subjected to this idea of being faulty peter um, peter was clearly not a fan of this idea peter said to him even though they will all fall away i will not in solidarity, Peter says they might, the rest of our friends might, I've seen Judas, would surprise me, uh, but I will not. Jesus laid out exactly what would happen in, in his response. 
This night, within a few hours, before the sun rises, before the rooster crows, you will in fact deny me three times. You will not only not do what you say, but you will not do it three times. Before the rooster crows. Now, I grew up on a poultry farm. I've heard roosters crow at three in the morning. Uh, Jesus is telling Peter, within such a short time, before this conversation has been fully processed in some of our minds, you will deny me multiple times. Peter responds, um, and, and the Greek word describing how Peter responds is parasos, which means excessively. Um, so w- with so much emphasis and force so that it was excessive, Peter responds, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Even if I have to die to be with you, I will not betray my word. And the others said the same. Now it's a little early for, for Lent or Holy Week, but I'll spoil the next part of the story. Jesus is correct in his foretelling, not only for Peter, but for all the rest as well. And in fact, at the foot of the cross, as Jesus is dying, there is only one disciple even present. But even that disciple scattered when the soldiers came. As we think about communion, the Lord's Supper, I want us all to take a step backwards for a moment, especially as you hopefully will listen to this podcast and in the coming weeks or coming month, prepare for communion and for the Lord's Supper again. As you lead up to that, I want us all to just take a step back. If you have chosen to follow Christ, if you have chosen to give your life to our triune God in dedication, in the way that you live your life, in the way that you act and behave, what does that look like? There are many persons in life who have lived very dedicated lives to God. Saul, later Paul, wrote much of the Second Testament we have today, took the gospel to much of the ancient East, and reinforced the early church. They spent a lot of time in jail, on house arrest, and in rough situations for their faith. However, they also had their own issues from the start. Thomas, we often call the Doubting Thomas, though they are a pillar of the church and took the gospel many places after Jesus' ascension. Augustine, where we get a lot of our theology, was very flawed and did not meld with Christian values on several things. John Calvin, John Wesley, great fathers of the mainline denominations, Presbyterian and Methodist, that is. Um, They had their own moments that they did not uphold the gospel. Martin Luther, same thing. I mean, we could spend all day looking at people from early history till today. You know, Martin Bucer, so on and so forth. I I don't need to go into all of them. Uh, But the point here is not to point out our flaws. It is to ask ourselves, where are our words and actions not working together? Not exhibiting the same thing. Not lining up. Uh, What does it look like for us to act like we actually believe and we are actually dedicated to God? And I don't mean that as I can sit there and look at you and tell you that. I just mean for us to examine what does it look like 
if those things line up. You know, as you consider what is the Lord's Supper, you know, as Christians who gather together, a group of people gathered together in dedication will take and eat and drink in remembrance. As we're doing that, are we doing so knowing that we are saying, I will not deny you? How many of us will, you know, leave after that sacrament with that morsel of bread and just a splash of juice in our throats and we'll go out and say something condemning on Facebook? We'll be unkind to people checking out our food or groceries. I mentioned in a previous episode about um, a restaurant that I went to while camping um, where there's a sign that says, be kind to our staff. They're doing the best they can. And if you think you can do better, come in and apply for a job. You know, that is the result of a culture that does not exhibit the gospel message. I'm not saying that any one of you is a reason for that sign, but consider that it is there. And it's not just in that one town. Where else do we deny the gospel message of love, of Christ-like behavior, where we go and with what we say? How, much, how many of us have thought or said that we would go die for this country or for what we believe? We will stand up and fight for what we believe in a world uh, so divided. We will stand for what we believe in word and deed emphatically, excessively. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you Jesus. And the reading from Haggai um, that I mentioned at the beginning, it opens with, Who among you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not appear as nothing to you? Who among you is left to look at the group who emphatically cried, I will not deny you, and can honestly look and see what your actions show? And we've all done it. As we get to the close of this episode, a a question for us all to ponder and examine. Um, And I always recommend with any of these questions, with any challenges, with anything in a sermon, ponder it and examine it right away. If you're like me, by the time we get to tomorrow, you'll forget. You know, as you go to your lunch, run your errands, do your yard work, whatever it is, seek to answer this question. Are your actions denying your beliefs? Are your actions, your words, and your faith not matching up? Or are they matching up? Are your actions denying your beliefs? Are you shouting, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you, God, while your actions are taking you swiftly away from the cross? Are your actions denying your beliefs? I implore you, dear children of God, examine your hearts, commune with the Holy Spirit, and seek to answer the question. I'm going to call it there. As always, we could go on, we could dig in deeper, but I'll leave that to you to do. Go uh, check out all of the readings that I put in the notes, 
and examine that question. Are your actions denying your beliefs? And I'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode or any other episode or what you would like to see in a future episode. Down in the show notes is all of the contact information for the podcast. Um, You can reach out on social media. You can email. You can go over to our website. Love to hear what you have to say, what you think. As always, I hope you're doing well. Know that God loves you no matter what. There's nothing that you or anyone else can do about that. And we'll see you in the next episode.